Hello, and welcome to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan, and I am an alcoholic. Uh, Today is another solo episode of the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. Um, I wanted to share some thoughts with you guys. Uh, A little bit of stuff that's been going through my mind. It's, uh, you know, early fall. I guess the thick of fall at this point. Um, I suppose early early, (laughs) early Christmas, early winter considering the way the weather's been turning here in Boise, Idaho, of late. Um, And I just got back from visiting with my 94-year-old grandma, uh, who lives down in um, a little bit south of Orlando in in Florida. And uh, I guess what's been roiling through my head since that trip, and I guess throughout uh, a lot of the time during that trip is uh I've been thinking about you know mortality I guess um well yeah mortality and uh a little bit about flying on airplanes uh when sober uh, which I guess I'll talk a little bit about that too I guess but um you know I I wanted to go down and see her um because the last time, well, I guess I was down there a couple of years ago. I was about to say the last time I was there was for her her ninetieth birthday, but that was the last like big trip. Like we took the whole family, and it was a whole to do. I mean, my extended family, everyone was down there, and it was, you know, I mean, it was celebrating a pretty big milestone. Hitting ninety years old is a is a big deal, and um, you know, life is life is long. If it can be, it's very long. You know, I've been ending these podcasts saying something along that those lines that, you know, life is long, but it's also short. And maybe I'm saying it the other way. Life is short, but it's also long. And I don't know. It's all a conundrum because time just seems really weird. And when I'm sitting and talking with my 94 year old grandma, it seems very weird, right? I mean, sat in her little, I don't know what you call it, foyer no it's in the back of the house so the inverse foyer i don't know what you'd call that little little sunroom let's call it a sunroom which is peculiar because it's so fucking sunny and hot there that why you'd want a room to celebrate that i don't know but um just trying to be present right like anytime i go on a trip like that my agitations kick in and i have to remind myself to just be present and to just calm down and you know, be, focus on on why I'm there and and pay attention to you know, pay attention to myself, pay attention to where I'm at, not just immediately, but also in the stream of this life of mine. Because you know, it takes took me I don't know twelve ten hours to get door to door. It was more like twelve hours from when I left here in Boise to being dropped off at my grandma's door in Vero Beach, Florida. You know, it's it's a long, full 12 hours worth of travel and a lot of time to just kind of zone out because I traveled by myself. You know, I, 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 as morbid as it might sound, I I wanted to get there before it was too late, right? Like I was thinking about how difficult it is to travel to Florida and, and, you know, make time in my schedule and make time with, excuse me, make time in my work and, and, you know, take set up for my kids to be safe, all all of the things. 
and it was easy to just keep pushing it off and being in the back of my mind thinking, well, you know, I'll probably have to save the time to get there for some impending funeral, right? Which I, I especially don't like saying because I'm hoping my grandma listens to today's episode. So grandma, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that with all the love in my heart. I, I hope you, well, I, I can tell from that visit that you're perfectly comfortable with your own mortality in that regard. At least you seem so to me. Um, but my 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 uh, my stepmom pointed out, you know, why why are you gonna burn the time when it's too late to see her? And that really struck me, because again, life is fucking short, right? She's ninety four, but life you only get one time through on this fucking thing, and yeah. So yeah, I made I made the effort. I mean, I figured out a time that sort of worked for everybody, and got myself down there and, and, and I'm flying alone and I'm thinking to myself the whole time down there, the whole, you know, flight down there or multiple flights and just killing time in airports and <sighs> makes me reflect on my own life and, you know, all the way back, right? My, my grandmother, you know, I, I, I realized this a few years into my sobriety and it, it just really gets banged home Anytime I go make the long trip to go see my grandma, but she was, you know, she's, she's the closest thing I had to a a solid mother figure my whole life, which I suppose isn't unnatural, isn't abnormal at least. I think lots of people wind up having a close relationship with their grandmothers that's, um, you know, kind of parental in many regards. And and that's not a dig at my, my dad specifically, maybe a dig at my mom, but I, I don't think she listens. So, uh, but it's more of a compliment to, to my grandma. I mean, she was always there for me and she was like my, my rock, my bedrock. She, you know, she spoiled me and made me feel like a very special person all the time. And all of the, the little precious things that, you know, a doting grandmother will do. And and I was a sensitive little fat kid with my problems and, and emotional issues and, <clears throat> you know, on measure, a, a regular kid um, who just loved his grandma, right? And I've gone through my life and now I'm an adult man who realizes, you know, my, my grandma was more than just grandma. She was... She was that person for me. And I don't know, maybe therapists would probably agree. I don't have the most solid sense of, of uh, mothering in a mothering relationship, but whatever, that's my, my cross to bear. Funny I use that terminology because I'm visiting my grandma who's always wearing crosses and she's still very remotely religious and pious, I suppose. I don't. Maybe she wouldn't describe herself that way, but certainly someone who is a religious, if not purely atheistic <laughs> I, I noticed the, the preponderances of crosses in her house um, so going back going to Florida is like going way back <clears throat> you know and, and of course when I get there and I see her and I'm spending time just the two of us together <sighs> I don't know sharing tea and coffee and and juice and playing cards and just kind of spending slow quality time together would be the way to describe it 
know, she's, her memories of me is periods of my life that I don't have clear memories of, you know, childhood, not because I was drunk, but because I was too young. And there's such a long time ago, they, they don't feel like me. And I, I don't feel like that's necessarily an alcoholic addict issue so much as just, I'm, I'm 47. I, I don't have clear memories or even sensations about when I was seven, you know, but I know when I do find my way down the little rabbit hole to, to, to those sensations and to those memories, or at least those sense memories made all the more present because I'm staying in the guest room at my grandma's house with pictures of everyone's lives. Like my uncle made these awesome collages a few years ago, I think for that 90th birthday, um, with every, you know, every, uh, of my uncles and aunts personal lives and all of their associated children and, and grandchildren. And then my grandma's extended family and all the pictures he could find from way back, you know, black and white pictures from the thirties and the forties. And, you know, so I'm surrounded by, I'm surrounded by mortality. I'm surrounded by nostalgia. I'm surrounded by images of, change and just how precarious our lives are how you know you, 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 I, I'm seeing pictures of myself as this little chubby annoying kid I can't see myself without thinking I just look chubby and uncomfortable because that's how I felt I mean I, I was chubby but then I was also uncomfortable I don't know that non-chubby people would necessarily look at pictures and notice that about them but does make me reflect back on you know just being a little kid and for better or worse those are our foundations right those are that's what makes me who I am today even though I really want to squeeze that little fat kid out of me and and be a man and 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 be a, a grown human the kid's still in there all the insecurities that that layered and layered in the in the confusions and the traumas of, of, you know, abandonment and being molested and other weird shit going on in my family. Like, like those are the big traumas for me, but then there's just the, the layering of a Midwest Catholic family that doesn't talk, right? Like that's, you know, as loving and wonderful as my family was and is it was also that and and that just kind of layers on you as as a very young person and you know forms a foundation that's tough to rock tough to shake tough to to move into something different and you know as much as I've changed just in the last 10 years of sobriety you know finding myself you know sitting late at night in that little room trying to get her internet to to function because it's just at the cusp of where her Wi-Fi cuts off is right where my bed is, which is awesome. Um, you know, I, I I can't help but have that going in, in, in the forefront of my mind of just how weird life is, how weird my life has been, like the, the journey I've gone through, the things that I've experienced, and, you know, the the... the curious aspect of like I've done a bunch of things and and many things have happened to me and I've I've experienced many things but also I feel like I haven't done shit right that's the other thing you see these pictures and you're like god I haven't done fuck all with my life since I was that fat little kid making my grandma laugh 
you know, jumping out of the hot tub into the snow. Because she didn't always live in Florida. I guess I should say that to people who don't know me who may, may be listening. She used to live in Cleveland. We used to all live in Cleveland. Um, and it gets cold in Cleveland, FYI. And it gets really fucking hot in Florida, FYI. Um, but, um, you know, so it's, you know, and, and I get there. I get there, I'm alone, and, and I'm I'm agitated because flying alone is, that's a, you know, that's a... That's a common, although almost tertiary, uh, triggering event. Like, lots of people are triggered by that, just as I am triggered by traveling alone on a plane. Because for me, man, flying was a beautiful, beautiful excuse to just get drunk as fuck, right? Because I literally cannot do anything. I just have to sit here and, you know, whatever, listen to music or read a book or watch a program on, you know, especially international flights. Oh my gosh, I've, I've flown international a couple times sober now, but when I flew while I was drinking, oh God, those were the most dynamite things in the world because they just give you free drinks and you're stuck in this metal tube for six to 12 hours. I mean, I flew to Singapore a couple times. That, you know, that's... Point is, flying sober, uh, you know, that's a, it's a gut check. It's a, it's a ground myself and get centered before I even embark on the trip. I mean, for me, even as I contemplate buying the tickets, it crosses my mind of like, man, you're going to be in that same scenario, you know, and I, I, I've got years under my belt now and it's not a pressing, agitating concern, but it is always there. And yeah, 12 hours of flight and sitting in airports and Knowing that I don't have anything really to do, it's it's easy to not be super agitated, especially because I left lots of time between flights. So it, it's easy to be on measure, just mellow, but it's also a long day. And by the time I get to my grandma's house, I'm, I'm agitated in an undercurrent way, right? I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. You know, and... and <laughs> I've reached or I reached a while ago that point in sobriety. That, I don't know. Maybe not everybody hits it, but I, I actually enjoy seeking out uh, meetings in different cities. And, and I guess I've, I've visited my grandma in this city enough times. And I, I'm kind of familiar with the, the meetings I go to. And I kind of realized this trip that I, I kind of see a, a handful of the same faces. And I, I don't expect that they remember me, but I remember them. And that's cool. I mean, it's it's silly, but it's cool, and it gives me something to focus on. And 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 I found myself like mapping out what meetings I'm going to try and hit on a given day, and like what I'm going to do with my day. And 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 uh, I realized, you know, after I was because <laughs> as much as I'm trying to plan and and hit the the things, you know set a schedule and sit set stick to it i'm also <laughs> fatigued from a long days of travel and and you know perpetually running behind it seems and which just adds to my agitation and uh 
I realized after, you know, on the second day I was there and I was still feeling like agitated, like trying to, sorry, trying to hit some schedule that I'd built for myself so that I could, you know, get to the ocean and spend some time actually jumping in the water since I'm all the way over there and I should do it. And hell, it's really, really nice out and it's hot and sunny and it's, it's beautiful beaches. And, and oh, I'm also going to hit these AA meetings because it's, it's cool to go to AA in a, in a different city and, you know, whatever, and, and then get some coffee and, and blah, 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 blah. And, have to stop and, and, and remember, you know, I'm also here, not also here, I, I'm here to see her, right? Like, there's these other things because, I don't know. I mean, it's partly because, I'm, I'm distracting myself partly because I used to spend a lot of time visiting my grandparents when I was a kid. That's part of how, even though I moved to the other end of the country, or, you know, arguably the other side of the country, when I was a kid... I still maintained a very close relationship with them, and, and that's part of why I, I my statement earlier about her being the solid, consistent mother figure. You know, I I I I, <laughs> I genuinely visited her and my grandfather and the rest of my family, and spent more time with them than I did with my own mother. Right? I mean, she's got her faults and she's got her problems, and had them then, and whatever. Point is. I was used to, there was like a, again, part of sinking back into this childhood sensation was remembering, oh yeah, my rhythm is, you know, just go do other things because they're just a home base and you're just visiting them and you just give them a kiss on the cheek and eat some food with them and just kind of check in with them in the, in the middle of the day and all that. But it's, you know, you're there to do other shit and, and that's what I was doing. That's what I do pretty much every time I go because the flip side of that is she's also in her 90s, right? She doesn't do a lot of stuff. So it's not unreasonable to like be like, well, I'm going to fill eight percent of my day doing other shit and I'll just spend a little time with my grandma and I caught myself in the middle of one of those you know making an, uh, a, an attempt to like get out and go hit a second meeting in a day right because I don't know because there's just an abject fear of or concern around getting bored right like I don't want to get too bored she does have a pretty solid liquor cabinet right there on display because in her 90s, I guess late into her 80s, grandma decided to start drinking, which I couldn't applaud more, right? I I always found it very peculiar considering the, <sighs> the details of some of the shit that she went through, through all the years that I've been alive at least. I always found it remarkable that she didn't drink. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, Grandma, it's great. You get together and have cocktails with your your you know your friends there. That's commendable, right? Because she doesn't drink alcoholically. She has a few drinks. Gets a little, you know. I wouldn't even say she gets tipsy, as far as I can tell. But what the fuck? She's ninety, and anyway, there's a bunch of liquor around the house. I guess is where I'm going with that. And uh, you know, so I'm reasonably like, eh, I'm gonna fill my day. I'm gonna fill my day. I'm gonna fill my day. But you know, I, I'm proud of myself. I'm, I'm I'm glad to report that I I caught myself before I let that get too far, and I tried to do my extracurricular, you know, AA activity, run into the beach activity during the times when you know she hadn't gotten up yet in the morning or was taking a new snooze in the afternoon. Or well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty white. I, I it was rough for me to go out in the the high heat of the day. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I got real burned real quick. Uh, but I reminded myself and I listened and actually acted on 
the awareness that I was there to spend time with her because life is fleeting and as solid as she's doing, it's still, you know, finite. And this hopefully very likely isn't the last time I'll have seen her, but you know, it's one of the, one of the last for sure. And that's, it's just true. And so, yeah, I, I sat down and, and played silly card games with her, you know, one card game, but it's just silly to keep playing it over and over. And, and, and just sat and chatted about just whatever, you know, it's just really comforting to have love, I guess, is what I'm trying to, to put my finger on, right? Like, this is someone who has loved me my entire life, and I've never, ever not felt that love, and that's a wonderful thing, and I'm very grateful for that in my life, and <clears throat> if I'm honest, I'm, I'm grateful that I, I was capable of being able to take a handful of days off from work and fly all the way across the country and spend days just doing nothing in her presence and, and being able to like do little minor things around the place for her. I mean, she's, she's in a retirement area and there's, they do all this stuff for her for the most part. And she has a whole collection of friends who are just there for her. And you know, it took about a day, but I got the rhythm down of just like relax into this man. Just appreciate this couple of days you're going to have just living in a bubble of no real world concerns, right? Like just ignored emails from work, marginally ignored anything going on back home. Just be present. You know, I, I'm again, like it, it made me acutely aware of how old I am, how old I've become, how <laughs> how unlikely it is that I'm going to be able to retire into a nice, pleasant little retirement villa in Vero Beach, Florida, or anywhere for that matter, right? Like the likelihood that, you know, my debt-to-income ratio is ever going to put me in a space where I'm going to be able to be that comfortable, it's unlikely, you know? And that'll... That's the kind of thing that'll take you out. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of the AA literature, you know, is centered around financial fears. I mean, that it's a real thing. This is a capitalist world, and uh, you know, luxury and comfort are associated with a dollar dollar a price tag. You know, and it's another thing that hits me as I'm there. Is like, man, I'm gonna. I'm going to live as full a life as I can and I'm going to be as present for the people in my life as I can and, and that's going to have to be the best I can do because I'm, I'm not going to be a capitalist. I mean, I'm never going to be a captain of industry. I'm never going to be a financial wizard. I'm never going to be solvent. You know, I make enough to make my life livable now for my kids, comfortable even, but I have no delusions that that will last me. So these are thoughts that go through my head as I'm trying to just be present, right? These are things that <clears throat> I'm talking about now because I know that they're the kind of things that would agitate me, that did agitate me. Like, and when I was, <laughs> you know, when I was when I was in the thick of my drinking, you know, I was in my 30s and it felt like my life was over, right? And it's been over 10 years since I got sober, you know, 15, 20 years since I was 
living this agitated existence of like, holy fuck, the sands of time are crumbling through my fingers and I've already, you know, options are being cut off for me just by my age. That kind of shit. And then my grandma relays some anecdote about a time when she was working, when she and my grandfather owned a diner in, I don't remember, like Muncie? I, fuck, I don't know. Like, it was a period of, like, I've heard so many stories over the years of, of you know, before I was born when my grandma was in her, her 20s and 30s, but I don't think I'd ever heard her talk about that, right? Like, it was interesting. And she told me stories about her brother and one of her brothers and just stuff I'd never heard before, which I, I also didn't expect, which is, you know, part of why I'm like a little agitated. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to spend time with my grandma and hear the same fucking stories over and over again. But no, these were all new things that not conscious on her part, just what was on her mind. And, um, reminded me that, you know, we're all just going to fucking die. Right? And yeah, I'd like to be comfortable. I'd like to not, I'd like, I'd knock on wood, I'm going to be as healthy as she is into that age. You know, the positive things in life really don't come with a price tag, right? Like, which is the mantra of the broke, I realize, but it's also true, right? I mean, money doesn't buy you happiness, it buys you comfort, and if you do it right, that comfort can be good for you, but I'm still going to die, you know? Rich man's still going to die. Poor man's still going to die. Um. <laughs> I was preparing myself some food in the kitchen while, or maybe some coffee or something, and my grandma comes around the corner, and she's just got some old pictures, like print out, digital pictures printed out on like a personal printing place or something, and, and uh you know, it's a picture of of her and 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 a, and a little baby, and she's like, "Is this which 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 are your kids? Is this Danica?" And uh, yeah, you know, it was a picture. It's a picture of my grandma holding <coughs> my youngest, or my I'm sorry, my oldest, as a like you know maybe a three month old baby, right? And it's a super cute picture. And, and then she's like, "And what about this one?" And, and the picture under it is the same kid and me. Um, Uh, smiling and posing in front of a um, a, uh, a snowman that we had just built together, <clears throat> and it's you know my oldest kid. She was like maybe three years old at the time, like just bundled up in a just a little nugget of cute, just like arms straight from the too many layerings, and plus you know just a little stupid kid standing in the snow and. We made like a cute little snowman with with Mickey Mouse ears and a banana for a smile and and you know the picture has clearly been taken by my daughter's mom, my ex wife, and uh, and I just look at, at 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 me. I look at the man in that picture, and I I can't even recognize him. I got some. You know, it looks like a picture was snapped while I was in the middle of, like, laughing very hard or bellowing. So my mouth is just wide open with teeth showing. And it's like, aha! And and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wearing slacks and 
dress shoes, so it looks to me like I've kind of scrambled immediately after work to uh, to do this kind of thing, which you know, which isn't uncommon, right? I mean, the kids were Danny was really young, and I would get home from work and like try and wedge in as much you know quality time before it was bedtime and dinner and all that, and you know, snow outside, you know, but. I'm also looking at that picture, and I know, based on the yard and the age, I know. I know that I'm I'm I've I'm already I'm either already drinking heavily in secret, or I'm about to start. That the man in that picture is about. He's about to lose everything. He's about to start down or he's just started down the path that's going to knock everything for a loop in his life and I thought a lot about that man over the last 10 years especially and, and I'm looking at my face in that picture and I you know like I said, I don't I don't recognize me. I see this like almost vacancy in my eyes, in in my face, like this guffaw and this like almost insane look in my eyes that probably appears as happiness if you just look at it. But I know, I know that, that guy is feels trapped. I know that guy feels like he's 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 chosen a couple of wrong things here. Not he's you know he's 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 taken a career in something that he's not going to be exceptional at because it's just not he's just not passionate about it, but he's he's pushing that out. He's pushing that thought out of his head because he's got responsibilities. He's got this kid and he's got a pregnant wife who's taking a picture of him with the with their 3-year-old kid. <sighs> He's got he's got an innate, insane amount of student loan debt that and and credit card debt that he hasn't made entirely clear to his wife because he knows that he doesn't want to face it and if he had to face it and he had to bring it up then there would have to be a conversation about what well, what do we do with finances and and he's never been any good at talking about that especially not with her and so rather than have that conversation he's just lumping more shit on his shoulders and more responsibilities and taking on more things as a responsible father because that's what a man does and that's what, what a man provides a man takes care of his family a man does all sorts of manly bullshit that doesn't involve talking about what the fuck is going on with him because he can just walk through it. He can just fucking put his legs down and put his nose to the grindstone and, and carry forward and things will take care of themselves in the future. Things will get better later. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with this later is what that look in my eyes says. You know... If that picture's from when I think it is, then it was within a couple of months of that shot that I reintroduced myself to a bottle of wine. And with that bottle of wine, I, I opened up, quickly opened up 
to daily, daily drinking to the point of intoxication, if not blacking out, you know. Because at the time of that picture, if it's when I think it is, I had been not drinking for three and a half years, let's say, just about four, just just over three years, maybe just under. Can't remember. I I I I, I was a teetotaler, a non-drinker, for about three and a half years, and then I relapsed, which is a hard thing to say because relapse would imply that I was doing something to keep myself sober. But all I was doing to keep myself sober was not drinking. In my experience, if all I'm doing is not drinking, I'm just going to drink again at some point. It's just a, not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I proved that a few months after that picture was taken. You know, I I, I sat on my hands for three and a half years or so, and... <sighs> And I never, I didn't talk about it much. I just, I, I didn't talk about it much because he didn't have to talk about it. I didn't have to talk about it, right? Because if I talked about it, that was like somehow acknowledging that that there was an issue. And it wasn't an issue because I just didn't drink anymore, right? Like, I, yeah, I used to drink too much. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, it is good. It is good that I don't drink anymore, but I don't drink anymore. It's not an issue. I don't even need to bring it up. I'm just not going to have a drink right now. It's okay. It's weird, I guess. It's it was like un, unexpectedly unsettling to see a picture of me like that, just out of the blue, knowing that that's where I was, right? Knowing that that's a picture of a guy who's about to fucking set it all off. Yeah, I I found myself alone in the house with with my wife and my kids out of the house for like a week. And the first night of that, because of some arbitrary and rationalizing resentment in that moment, I took a bottle of two-buck chuck and I opened it and I drank the whole fucking thing, right? Which, I don't know, it's like four glasses of wine, but I just drank it right there, like half of it in one pull. It seems like, I don't know, maybe not that much, but the point is, <sighs> the point is I was not spiritually grounded in any fucking way then. And that's what I see in the face of that man in that picture trying to look joyful with his three-year-old making a snowman, you know. My God. Trying to be present in a life that is kind of eating away at me and I didn't even have the words or I didn't even have the self awareness to be conscious that that's what was going on. I just knew there was just an underlying agitation and and I'm just sitting on my hands and I'm just, you know, I'm just powering through because it's what a man does and 
It's what a good man does. A good man drops the booze like he did. He drops the booze and chooses his family and chooses to be a good man for his family, chooses to be a, a pillar for the people who depend on him. You know, that's what a good man does, and I was doing that. And God damn it, if, if you know, if I... <sighs> That man in that picture had no tools to address the very large problem that was about to hit him. And it tripped me out, man. It tripped me out. You know, I I I, I set the picture down. And I put the other picture on top of it because I was just like, I can't. I don't. Even, I can't look at that anymore. I put the picture of my grandma holding the kid on top. And I just went and like sat in my guest room, the guest room there for a half hour and just kind of I don't know I, I I would say I cried, but something I've noticed is that I, I have a hard time crying like I, for someone who is so sensitive and balls at romantic comedies and and you know is is very aware of my own internal like rhythms and cycles and you know I'm very emotional once a month just like everyone is everyone's emotional more emotional at a certain period every month if we just pay attention to it um it sounds pejorative because you know as a man talking about it sometimes but I'm I'm not being pejorative about you know having my own period or whatever it, it's a true thing it's just we all have biorhythms of some kind and Someone who who is prone to sadness and sensitivity as much as I am, I it is curious how I don't break down and cry very frequently. I'll have a you know, and in that moment, the moment I'm describing there of putting that picture away and, and running to my room for a few, I, I I bellowed out a couple of sobs. But that's it. Like it's it's a. It's like a relief valve rather than like just letting the water flow. And yeah, it'd be a lie to say I haven't had like crushing fall on the floor sob for extended periods of time. Even, I don't know, there was a period a couple of years ago I was crying for all day long, but clearly it has to be something insanely emotional to get me there because even this literal picture of my own mortality and my own crumbling facade I guess that was facing me right there and and, and a man you know however many years later 15 years later looking at that picture knowing what's coming still could only just get like a little man this sucks But it fucking wigged me out, man. Because I don't like thinking about the sadness that that also caused for for my kid, for all my kids. I don't like thinking about the sadness that caused my ex-wife, right? I mean, she didn't deserve any of that. She didn't, she didn't ask for any of that. I mean, although I guess if you marry an alcoholic, she kind of did ask for it, but... Nobody who falls in love with an alcoholic 
is asking for the fucking pain that that's coming. They're they're they see the sensitivity. They see the the person that the alcoholic refuses to see a lot of the time. You know, like I I think she she saw me in a way at least early in that that I I wasn't un- unaware of and unca- incapable of seeing myself. You know, a, a a light that I didn't shine on my own self and. Yeah, part of the pressure I see building in that that man's face is it's an you know an awareness that this isn't the right person. This isn't the person I'm supposed to be with. And instead of actually facing that and doing something about it, he's just hiding and and giving her anything she wants and making her feel more and more loved, even though he's feeling more and more distant. And and you know that that hurts to admit, and it sucks to admit. And I hope it doesn't hurt people who listen. I hope it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings that that's the case, but it is the case. It's the way it was, and still that, and, and, and obviously not still, obviously that's not on her, that's not her fucking fault, that's, it's on me. Like, I see that also when I look at that picture. I know, <sighs> I'm about to break that woman's heart, and I'm not even enough of... <sighs> I don't have enough ethics. I was about to call myself, I was not about to say I was not enough of a man, but that even puts it wrong. I, I didn't have enough moral fortitude to just face it and just be like, hey, this isn't okay. I'm not okay. We're not okay. Something needs to change. Probably we need to just stop, right? Let's cut our losses now while we're still in our early 30s and, and be able to have a real life and possibly even a, a functional relationship together even after all this is said and done. But I wasn't capable of that. I wasn't fucking capable of seeing anything about myself, let alone about what my inability to see myself was doing to the rest of the relationships in my life. So I just fucking sat on my hands and, and soon after that picture, grabbed onto my old fucking standby. And, and the thing that made me feel a little bit okay in the mire of fucking sadness, you know, which is just even more hiding, you know, I just hide, I, 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 you know, it's not an exaggeration, it's not a platitude to say that I began to hide in the drink soon after that picture, I, you know, within a year after that picture was taken, I was, I was drunk every day, and I was hiding it, and, and that was the way I dealt, right, I, I'm, I'm gonna deal with all of this mounting pressure of this life that I'm beginning to feel I really didn't choose, and probably shouldn't have chosen, and, and don't, don't want, and the, the financial burdens I'm putting myself under and, and just the the layering of more and more problems that I'm creating for myself by putting it off and not addressing it and not acknowledging it and pretending it's not there and thinking it's going to take care of itself and then drinking so I can forget about it and then becoming more and more guilty because I shouldn't be drinking and oh my god I think this is becoming kind of a problem because I can't seem to stop myself from drinking and I have to get drunk every single day and maybe if I can sit on my hands for another week that'll prove I'm not I'm not an alcoholic but I'll start that next week because I really got to have a drink right now <sighs> So yeah, it's no wonder seeing that picture kind of threw me for a loop, right? Because all that shit, all that shit just is just sort of crashing in on me and just this this image of those eyes and that insane smile on my face as I'm like looking up at the camera in my work clothes having just rolled a snowman with this little tiny cute little angel person who, God 
damn it, I've got all of my love and hope has been pushed into this kid because it's not only the most important thing in my life now, it's also the thing that has defined me and my wife as, okay, we are solid, we have these children, this is this is what we're supposed to do. This is how we avoid acknowledging that maybe there's something not connected between the two of us because we have this child now. We'll just funnel our attention there. And then all the shit we do as a family... And I'm not proud of any other way I dealt with that. It's it's the thing that I, I it's I, I my entire life in many regards is just a living amends to those people for putting them through that for a few years, right? It wasn't even looking at it as like it was really only like four years, which four years of a child child's life you know if a kid's only six four years is a long fucking time but you know for my life when it really fell off the rails it was about four years of falling really far off the rails and I did it real good during that time just you know then the trip was over you know did my best to just be there with my grandma and be present and and, you know walk my way through the, the weirdness of that picture and you know go to a meeting and share about it and I don't know everything I just said is actually more then I realized, but you know, I just spent some quality time with this solid person who's been there for me my whole life, and and uh, so I was waiting for the person to come pick me up and drive me because it's like an hour and a half to the airport from my grandma's house. And she's ninety four, and she does drive. That's the damnedest thing, you guys. She fucking she. She lives alone, and she drives her car. I mean, she's 94, and she's, yeah, she she gets tired very quickly, and she can't go walk super long distances without having to take a little break, but god damn, she's doing good. God damn. You know, and, I, and, and I'm sitting on the little front porch with her in the sweltering heat <laughs> and just thinking about it. and we're talking about the little trip I just had and, and you know I met all of her friends in the in the little condo area or I guess they're not condos but in the housing area and and they just you know they, they're just so sweet to her and, and I'm just thinking you know I, she is doing so well and I think a lot of it is because she's just positive, right? She just, she's lived so long and she's gone through so much and, and she's had a life and for sure it wasn't all happiness. For sure there was fucking hard times that I have no concept of, but she's on the way out and none of that matters at this point. She is doing so well because and this is me, I didn't talk about this with her, but she just is positive. And she's a f- reflecting that positivity and the people who want to be around her, the, the people in that community, they seem to really adore her, right? 
right? They they spend time with her on a daily basis, and and yeah, it's it's aware. They're all aware. She is the oldest person in the in the area, and they're all like keeping an eye on her. But they also just like to be around her. They want to spend time with her. I'm sure there's other old people in there. In fact, yeah, oh no, I commented on that. And my grandma said something to that effect that there was some older woman there when she first moved in, and but she was just a grouchy old lady, and people would go spend time with her, but they didn't like it. You know, there's something to just being pleasant and being present and joyful that gives you, I don't know, it's like having negativity grows like a cancer. And if you're not negative, that cancer is avoided. And I was thinking on that, sitting in the little front porch area and then the driver arrives and I realized, God damn it, this is that thing. This is the thing about visiting your, your what are you, nanogenarian when you're in your 90s? I don't, I, octogenarians as far as I've ever learned, but whatever, people in their 90s, is there's a goddamn good chance as you're walking out of sight, that's the last time you're going to see them, right? And that, boy, boy, I couldn't let go of my grandma. Right, like I, I couldn't hold her close enough. I couldn't be close enough to her. And as I was like embracing her, as the driver's like flipping around so to grab the, you know, to, to orient the car the correct way to get out, I could think was like, why, why did I do anything except for just sit here and hold her? Like, why didn't, why did I do anything but just hug on my grandma and just hold her close, right? <laughs> For like four days. Why did I why did I do anything but this? Why did I do anything but this? You know, and, and even in the like thirty seconds I'm doing it, my grandma's like patting me on the shoulder. Oh, that's right, dear. I love you too. So that's probably why. Because <laughs> she's still a human and she's like, Yeah, I love you too, but uh, this is weird. You need to let go. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, as we drove out drove away and rolled the window down and blowing kisses and waving at her and just craning my neck out of the window of the car like a fucking kid just to get make sure I see her as long as I possibly can see her on the drive away. You know, I, I, I love my grandma. And uh, it's a heady trip seeing her anymore. It's a, you know, it, 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 like it, it's it's a walk down memory lane. It's nostalgia. It's an awareness of just how fleeting my own life is and, and how I mean, fleeting is not the right word, but just how it's, you know, there's only a one way trajectory for any of us. And, and <clears throat> no matter what I think about my life and what I've done with it and what's gone on in it and what is going on, it's my life, right? Like, and I, I only get one time through and it's a weird folding back of time. Cause I, when I'm around her and you, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing most people, when they get around their elderly grandparents or parents, there's this sense of, like, reverting back to that kid that you were, that child that underlies everything about you. Everything about me is that kid who, you know, read Mad Magazines and hung out at his grandparents' house and when he became a teenager and snuck him smoking pot there like a moron, you know, and, and, and she caught him once and was just like pissed as fuck, but was like weirdly just like, <laughs> well, as an adult and a parent now, I'm sure she was just like, I don't want to fucking deal with this, you fucking idiot. But 
you know, just all those stupid little dumb shit things that hopefully we survive as kids and then step through and that are the foundation upon which we mold ourselves into adults or the world molds us into adults or whatever the combination of things are. But, you know... a heady trip you know it, it just reminds me that it reminds me I'm gonna fucking die and I don't like thinking about that I don't like thinking about that at all and being that I'm past the point of even saying middle aged right like even if I do live to be as old as her I'm, I'm I guess I'm right there right 47 So, I don't know. <clears throat> I want to try and summarize this in some kind of button that makes it touch straight back to sobriety and recovery. And, and I guess all it is, is 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 a gratitude and an awareness that, you know, a gratitude for the life that I have and my health and the, and the, the blessings, for lack of a better word, that, that I've experienced that have made me the person that I am. And the gratitude for having walked through the pain and the the difficulties of my life that I've experienced so far, and even the ones that I wasn't able to deal with in a in a healthy way, I guess I'm even grateful for that because that's what brought me to where I am today. You know, as much as I, I'd like to go back and shake that guy in that picture and just be like, "Dude, face your life, be present." Figure this shit out, man. I can't. And I guess that's the biggest takeaway from a recovery aspect is I can't change my past, right? And I can't change the good parts. I can't change the bad parts. I can't change the sad parts. I mean, they they just happened. And as much as I regret some of them and I wish that I'd done other things, I didn't. And I can't do otherwise. And that kind of thought, I don't know about you, listener out there, but that kind of thought can freak me out and get me drunk pretty easy. Because I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the sense that not only is life slipping through my fingers, <clears throat> the mistakes I made in the past are unchangeable. And if I, you know, <laughs> the mistakes I made in the past, not only that, but like my childhood, that little kid, that little insecure kid, the little tubby kid, the little little sad kid, the little PTSD kid, well, PTSD is an exaggeration, but the kid who's had little traumas, <sighs> that man who's about to fuck everything up in his life and, and is, isn't even capable of looking at it so much that he doesn't even look like the same human. Like, I, I swear, if I look at that picture, it does not look like me. But all of that stuff, man, that'll that'll take me out. That'll freak me out. It'll make me uptight. It'll make me uncomfortable. And it'll be the kind of thing that if I'm not aware that I'm feeling it and if I'm not capable of breathing through those feelings and addressing them and acknowledging them and letting them pass through me, and if it's so agitating, if it's 
so much that I can't even, that doesn't help if, I, if I'm not capable of reaching out for help to someone to talk to about it, preferably someone who understands the thirst. You know, that kind of thing. That'll fuck me up. That'll take me out. That'll make me drunk. And man... I don't want to be... I don't want to be a picture of me today. I don't want that to be a picture of a couple of months before I fucking destroyed my life again, right? Like, I don't I don't know if I have another recovery in me, and I don't want to risk it. I don't even want to chance it. So I guess that's the button there. That anything that's unsettling is unsettling, and I got to be emotionally and spiritually grounded to walk through it. <clears throat> and and I am. I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm agitated and on the verge of anything. I just am recalling the sadness, so that's what you're hearing, hearing in my voice. But, you know, I mean, part of that, part of that, this is part of why I'm, I'm talking about this right now, because this is how I walk through it, you know. I, I'm, this is, you know, it's like a verbal journal in a way, but... Talk about it in meetings. Talk about it with people who understand. Because, yeah, nothing like visiting your 94-year-old grandma to remember that, man. Life is long, and we only got one one trip through it, but it's also short, and we got to live it. And, you know, I felt like the big takeaway I had from that trip was that, man, I just need to be present. I need to do everything I can to be present because I, I don't know if that happiness is in the works. I don't know that happiness is even a, a reasonable goal or, or something that people should be tr- using as a goal, right? Like, I don't I don't want to be happy. I mean, of course, everyone wants to have moments of happiness, but I want to be present, right? Because if I'm present, I have the ability to walk through sadness and anger and and fear and pain and happiness and joy being present gives me an opportunity to live and i don't i feel like that's the best that i could get from my grandma in that trip right is yeah she you know she's 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 94 there are tiny cracks in the seams showing now but she is still just cogent as fuck she is present she remembers but she's also just living each day one day at a time and not out of some fucking alcoholic necessity like me and like a lot of us but because she knows that she only has today you know tomorrow may be it it may be over that's a beautiful way to live and you know as much as I hate to admit it, I'm probably going to wait till I'm in my 90s before I even really embrace that myself because I am thick-headed like that. And I'd like to think that I can turn this off, and end this, and be like, no, I'm going to actually do that. But let's be real, people. I'm still the agitated, little insecure boy that's on the walls at my grandma's house. And I got to work with what I got. Anyway, I really appreciate <coughs> any of you who listen, all of you who listen. I appreciate you listening this far in. I appreciate any of your feedback. And if you want to give me more, hit me up on Facebook. 
contact me through the contact us link on the eavesdrop podcast network but um, and i love each and every one of you and, and especially those of you who are struggling with or your own recovery or, or with the recovery of people in your life or people that you, you you care about who are struggling and my heart goes out to all of you because this is hard man this is hard so yeah thank you again for listening and enjoy the rest of your day Drop.